0: We're going to continue in this series, uh, what does it mean to be a member at uh, McKnight Crossings, but I want to just say a couple of things prior to jumping into that. The, 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 the first one is this, that uh, Ian Picker is going to be baptized Wednesday night. How about that, Ian? So I believe that will be an open invitation for anybody who wants to come up here. Of course, we've got the youth group that are going to be, be uh, up here on Wednesday, and we've got some small groups that connect groups that meet up here already, but uh, to uh, surround Ian with some love of the family here. So that's a uh, great decision, Ian. We're proud of you. We're proud of, of your decision. Also want to remind you that uh, the class... Where do we go from here? We've got a class in the auditorium that will continue to meet on the questions that Jesus asked, and uh, there'll also be an, another class that will meet up on the fourth floor uh, beginning today. Where do we go from here? So some of you have been invited into that class. Anybody that wants to join, will be uh, having that right after this. And then, of course, our announcement after all of that regarding our uh, new youth minister and the process there. What does it mean to be a member at MX, at McKnight Crossing? As I said last week, wow, we have a lot of ideas in our minds about what it means to uh, be a part of a church, and unfortunately, maybe we get squeezed a bit more than we'd like to admit. I think this is the temptation for all of us to begin to treat the church a bit like a grocery store where we sort of shop at our convenience, Or maybe a a quick trip would be another uh, analogy where we come and go as needed to transact for goods and services that are provided here. And I will say this, that we're, we're, we're coming out of about 25 or 30 years of churches in America that have basically bought into this sort of mindset, and so it's hard not sometimes to feel like we have to do the same, and as a church leader, it's easy to be sort of seduced by all of that. In other words, too often the church has thought of itself much like a business where we've got to market ourselves real well and maybe uh, rebrand. Everybody else is rebranding. Let's do that to stay profitable. From signage to services, we are here for you. Well, then again, maybe another way of describing it, and I, I hope that these uh, metaphors don't strike you too off, off-putting, but uh, we're often, I think, tempted and seduced to somehow entertain. And uh, in other words, shouldn't coming to church be like the best of going to a movie? You know, like, this is a really good one today. And we want the production value to be high, and we want there to be careful scripting from the stage, and our programs are special, and we want them to be exciting and fun. Do you see the temptation? You see the predicament. And so as we think about what does it mean to be a member of McKnight Crossings, I want to remind you of, and all of us, and myself included of the of the six commitments first of all that, that we make as a uh, as one who is saying, "I want to be a part of this church, to live faithfully, live faithfully to God in response to God. Our life is lived in response to God first, and I hope that we 've emphasized and reiterated that in our worship this morning, and then to participate regularly and then to serve eagerly." to give generously, to speak positively, and to pray continually. And imagine if one by one, if all of us in concert could get this and, and practice this on a consistent basis. Wow! Just wow! Today I want to think about this one, number three there, just for a few minutes, to serve eagerly. And... Uh, Maybe to get there, I want to go through a little bit of a different uh, process. Um, you see, I, I, I want to be, as much as I laid out these metaphors and these uh, descriptions of how the church might, forms the church might take, as, as a spiritual advisor in this church, I am committed to uh, teaching, for our teaching, to uh, honor the New Testament. And therefore, I only want to buy into the business analogy to the degree that the Bible would buy into it, or to buy into the idea of entertainment only to the degree that the Bible would buy into that. And rather, I'd like to back up, and I believe there's some teachings from Scripture that are are culturally, geographically, and generationally transcendent. Meaning they applied then and they apply now. And I would like to review a little bit of those. And, and, and as you read through the, the New Testament, and, and we're going to get to the idea of serve eagerly, but at first I want to talk about, about, about the, our service by thinking about the church. And so when you read through the New Testament, there are just a ton of ways of describing the church. I'm going to say there's close to 100 different ways in the Bible itself. But there are three that really dominate. And the first one is that the church is the body of Christ. And that is powerful. And there's a certain mystery to that. The text says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you we are in this together where Christ is the head. That's the primary analogy. And this passage emphasizes some important things. We're not Christ. We're the body of Christ, but we belong to Christ. And, and it's immensely rich and even mystical in some ways because, because, because we really can't even unravel all of the, what is trying to, Paul is trying to convey in this. But it's relational. We're connected to one another. The, our inter, interdependence on one another is so strong. But let me go on to another one. This is from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 10. Peter says it this way. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. There's a great way of describing who we are. The people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We are recipients of mercy, the people of God. If you go on and read a little more closely in 1 Peter, he says you've been chosen and you've been called, and there's just this intentionality that ties us into lots and long, long tradition going all the way back to the Old Testament. The children of Israel were on a journey together. And they were moving, and their lives were a witness to all those who were around them that the people of God were a place where the mighty saving power of God is center. And this people is a light to all the nations. And that image from the Old Testament applies so well for us today. I want to give you a third one, and this is that we're family. And maybe this one is pretty familiar to us. but My, oh my, it's challenging. I'll take the text from first from uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Do you see how the service idea is going to start to work make its way into this description as we begin to think about a family. Now, if you ask me, well, which, which definition is best? Well, no, none of them are perfect, and any of them, I would suggest, taken too far can almost um, hamper it, or, or uh, uh, they all have limits. They all have limits, okay? Whether we talk about the body of Christ or the people of God or the family of God. But I want to say just a few more things about the family before then we turn it just a bit and think about service. In the passage that Paisley read, and that's a lot of words on that slide. Who did that? Oh, yeah, okay. So here, I want us to read this and think about this little section of Scripture for just a moment, and then I've got some more words on some more slides right after this, okay? Hey, turn, okay, first we've got the... 19. Oh, thank you. Okay, let's just start with 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and this is the section that Paisley read to us in just a minute, and also members of his household. Are you getting the language? You're hearing the language of household, of family? Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone, let's go ahead and just finish it, in Him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and now verse 22. And in Him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Can we go back to the slide where that's all jammed on there in one thing I want to show you? If you can see it, I'm going to ask Alec. Alec, can you see that? Can you... Can you you come down front if you can't see it? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know if we can all see that, but I want to point out that in this one section of Scripture, there are six words, six words in the Greek that we kind of miss in English that all pertain to house or home all having the root of the word oikos. That is the dominant metaphor. If you look at the passage, this idea of being strangers, these are are people without a home, in a sense. And then there is the idea of household, and then there is the idea of building or being built, or being built together, or dwelling together. All of these at their root, are talking about a house or a home that's being built together. You following me? Now how does that translate into what we need to think about? You see, Jewish people were alienated from God. Gentile people were alienated from God. They were both brought under God, one God, and this household that's being described here in the book of Ephesians is, is a coming together of all of these various peoples. And it's not even simply a household as in a building, but it's described as a temple. And that's important, because what, what, what's significant about a temple? A temple is, is, this temple is not made of stones, it's made of people. And the people are living and dynamic and they're growing. And and in them, in these people, God dwells. You see, if we think of the church like Quick Trip, we are off base. If we think of it in terms of, what did I get out of this today today? As an entertainment center or as a business or somebody marketing something, we're missing it. The metaphor is this extended family where people are being brought together, and as they're being brought together, the Lord lives among us. And His best expression of who He is takes reality, concrete reality as we live in connection and love to one another. That's a challenging metaphor, and it's the reason that one of our family values here, we have seven values, talked about those earlier in the year, one of those is family. That is having a common father that enables us to deeply love one another. Now, as much drama that happens in our family, and I don't know about yours, at the core of it is this parental stability. The family is stable because at the center is the father, or we might say in our nuclear family, the father and mother's stability. This is the reason that a little bit later in Ephesians 3, Paul will say it this way For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. The true family, the family that God is creating, flows from the Father. And so our identity is not vague as to who we are. We belong to one another because we belong to the Father. And we must not sever our horizontal relationships from this vertical one. He makes us us. Now, when we have challenges in front of our family, and we do, we do. Um, the one that might be on many of our minds right now is choosing a youth minister. I don't know if that's a challenge or an opportunity. It's felt like both. But, but the, the decision is important and it seems critical for the well being of the family, for your kids, for your grandkids for the future of the church, and it's easy to get anxious about these kinds of things like families do. And like families, we agree on some things and we disagree on things and, we, and we, we, we know how to agree and disagree on some things and then sometimes we don't know how to do that very well. But I want to say this. We have to again and again come back to the realization that God is the father of this family. And He provides our well-being. He provides for us in a much greater way than the human part that we do. Like who is on staff or who's not on staff. What matters most is the faith part. As we trust the Father. As we got together yesterday morning for our Saturday prayer time, I was thinking about the fact that we were going to be meeting about the youth minister candidate, and all this was on my mind and 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 we had all the elders in there, and we had the you know a room full of guys right out in the foyer here and uh, Jeannie was there i don't want to forget Jeannie we had, a, we had one gal and then leading our devotional thoughts was Amy Weiler. Now is Amy here today, or is she just not? She's not feeling well. Yeah, she's ill. Yeah, she wasn't feeling well yesterday. And uh, she could barely talk. And, uh, and she checked to see if she had COVID before she came, and she was fine. But, but, but she, she just, she had a devotional in her mind on what she was going to do, and then it didn't feel quite right for whatever reason. And then, and then she, so she was thinking, I, I, I want to change gears here. And she found in her Bible... a uh, a lesson that Susie Burge had done many years ago at some kind of retreat. And all the passages, it was just a whole assortment of passages, but they were all about this. God is able. God is able And he's the one, it wasn't Moses. Moses was scared. And Moses was weak, and Moses didn't want to go, but God was able. So stand there and put up your hands, God says. And for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, God was able. And she went through these passages in the Bible. And it re it was like, now I'm the preacher. I should have thought of this. But I got so focused on what was in front of me that I couldn't back away enough to see. The Father is able. he's the one who shapes us and reshapes us. Now, she finished with a verse from Ephesians 3, and I can't go into all this today because time won't permit. I got to. Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry I'm rethinking myself live here. But now, I do have a message version, but I wanted you to see this because it's the section that is extended. uh, Back up one slide versus for one moment there. There it is. Okay. This is the section I just read that from the NIV for we're going to kneel before the father who is able Okay? Now, I want you to hear the rest of this section, and now we're going to shift over to the message, and then I want you to hear this, this last verse, because it, this section of Scripture finishes after talking about the Father, after about talking about bringing together the household of God, the children of God, the Jews and Greeks together, forming them, this, this place in which God dwells, then saying, here's the Father. Then He goes into this another section of Scripture that is so powerful. If you'll read it this week, if you'll dwell on it this week, if you'll get beyond your own, your own, mm, you know what I want to say. I can't think of the right word, but our, just our own stuff and our own limited vision, our own, our own myopia to back up and to see this great God we serve who's at work in this church. In spite of our decisions, sometimes because of them, but in spite of them, he's going to work just like he has always worked. And this section brings it out. And the one I want, reason I want to read it is because now we kneel before the... He develops the household of God. We kneel before the Father. And then the very last verse in this section is, is this passage that I know you know. three Ephesians 3.21. Now to him... Who is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. It's how he finishes the section. But I want to read it, backing up. I got you confused back there. Sorry about this. All right. But backing up, and this is from the message. Just let this rest in your heart. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father. This magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. Will that put your problems into a proper light? And I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit. Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. And I want you to see this because this is plural. This is not a singular in the Greek. This is, a, this is us together. But a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you or in us as you open the door and invite Him in. All right, next slide. And I ask Him... That with both feet planted firmly on love, you will be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Can we stop and do that, church? Can we just allow a little bit of, of the love? The dimensions, the magnificent dimensions of Christ's love to stir in our hearts through His Spirit. Reach out and experience the breadth, test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives In the fullness of God. Is the scripture good or what? (laughs) All right. It keeps going. Sorry. Two more verses. God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. his spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah in Jesus. Glory down all generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. given the majestic and magnificent and extravagant love of Christ for us, we extend that to one another. We're committed to one another. So it leads to the question, and my time is brief this morning, how can I support the family of M.X.? It's the logical question that flows from getting this mercy and this grace. How can you build up the body of Christ? Serve eagerly. That's the challenge. Healthy families serve one another. You know, I don't even like the word volunteer, personally. I understand why we say it and why we use it. We want to get some volunteers, kind of meaning non-staff people. Eh. We're all in this together. We're all joined to Christ. We're all experiencing the magnificent love of God and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. Now imagine yourself at the dinner table and you're eating together. Yum, it's really good. And you gotta clean up. But who does the cleaning? Who decides who does it? What do the kids do? Is the serving of the dinner and the preparing of the dinner and the buying of the dinner is it optional? You see, on one of our new member expectations is simply this, to serve eagerly because we healthy families are committed to one another. And sometimes that is hard work because it's not very glamorous work and it's easy to get tired and it's easy to lose this vision just as I did yesterday morning and it's easy to turn it into organizational mechanics like who's going to put the tables away and I've done that one too many times in my life and it's easy to be resentful because the next person the person next to you somehow didn't get the memo from Jeff Sermon it seems like they're doing so little to serve It's easy to be frustrated because the bulk of the work seems to fall to the women. I don't understand that. I think we got to think through the church or at least think through our roles. Because so much of the work in terms of a church being hospitable and taking care of one another tends to be relegated to the women. I love that the women participate in this church. I just don't want to see the women doing all the work. It's easy to not get enough sleep. It's easy to think that somebody else will do it. It's easy to ask the question, what in the world are the staff doing all day? Well, one, and I'll share more about this next week because time is out today, but There is a rise, there's a movement, there's as we're as we're kind of getting our footing under us, as I've been saying, coming out of COVID. Some people have gone on, but new people are rising up. And they're volunteering, or should I not use that word? They're serving. They're making a decision to serve. Some of us have more available time than others. I understand that. Some of us are already feel so pressed and overwhelmed by life. I understand that. But I still want to leave you, in spite of all of that, as you think through how this can apply to you, and I'll get a little bit more personal next week, I want to leave you with these two challenges. The first is this. If you are ready to serve, let us know. If you are able if you are capable, if you are called based on God's word, let me know. The second is this. I'd like you to find one job. I called it a job because I didn't want to make it more glamorous than it needs. I, didn't wanna, I don't want to fool anybody. Just a job. <laughs> might be a task, might be a meaningful task. You know, we got that service day coming up in a couple of weeks. The kitchen needs to be clean from A to Z. It's a big project. I don't think it needs to be all the women. <laughs> Autry and I are going to be in a little fight on this one. But then on the other hand, we got some outside trees that need trim. So, okay, women, get out there. All right, get your chainsaw. I'm bringing it along. All right, Linda, you got it? Based on the magnificent love of Christ, will you find one job, no matter how simple, and start regularly serving the family at McKnight Crossings?